came, and uh, we were real thrilled with that, and they were very kind, very good to us, and uh, so uh, that, that went really well. Uh, now, am I turned on here now? Yes, okay. And uh, so we did have one couple that I wasn't sure as we were talking to them if they were going to try to make it tonight or they just want to come out here uh, to visit us. Most of them are, uh, they live out that way in Northside, and, and these do too, but, uh, but I think they're going to be stationed for about another year and a half, and they uh, uh, really just seem like they like the direction that we're headed. They would love to come to something like what we're doing, and so... Uh, I thought that was real good. And uh, we go back tomorrow night. Pray for us. We go back tomorrow night. Maybe we'll have some different ones there. Maybe the same ones. Or I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll see. But uh, God did really bless. Had a really good meeting with them, and, and they were very friendly to us. So that was great. Uh, you never know. Um, the uh, Chad, the uh, chaplain, he said, uh, he said, Brother Hooker, the way I do this thing, of course, he's, he's under a fundamental Baptist mission kind of thing. So uh, it's kind of neat. I, they didn't have it, you know, years ago like this. But by being under them, he does not have to, or they cannot make him do anything outside of that mission statement, uh, you know, as a fundamental Baptist. And so that is amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, and so that's, that was really a great thing. But he said, you know, he said, what I had decided to do, when God uh, led me here to go into the chaplaincy and to do this work, he said, I just had to look at it as though I was, I was in a uh, country uh, like China. He said, where you just got to be very careful how you, you know, handle everything and how you direct everything in order to, to try to reach people through this venue. And I thought, wow, it's amazing. But that's, that's where we are, and, and he is reaching them, and that's, that's wonderful. All right, now look at Romans chapter 7. Look at verse 1. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God." For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. I'm not sure we'll get through all of these verses that I just read, but, uh, but I thought I'd, I'd read them uh, just in case. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, please guide my mind and my thoughts tonight. 
Lord, I ask you to please help me. Uh, the, the mind's been a little bit cloudy with all this uh, cold and, and things going on. It seems like so many have it. Uh, Lord, I have it too. And Lord, I pray that you please uh, just guide me, guide my thoughts, and, and, and just help me to say what needs to be said and it would be a help and a blessing, please. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We're going to just uh, take a look at this. We, uh, in Romans chapter 7, we're, we're gonna, before we finish it, you'll, kinda, you'll see three types of men, and those three types of men, uh, you know, they exist today just like they existed then. That's the natural man, the lost man. He's in, you're going to see him in this passage. Uh, you're going to see the carnal man. That's a, what we term as the saved man, but living primarily in the flesh. He's, he's saved, but living like he's lost. And, um, and so uh, that man is also in there. Then there's the spiritual man. He's a saved man who desires to be filled and led by the Spirit of God. And, of course, that's our, our hope and our dream is to be spirit-filled people and, and to be the spiritual man. It's so easy, though, in some area to drift into carnality about some issue or another in our lives. And so, uh, but these are the three types of people we're going to see. Now, these first few verses of Romans are kind of an amazing il- illustration, but that's what they are, and that's what we've got to remember. Now, they speak the truth about the law, but, but God's really not directly talking about this subject that he begins with. They, he's using it as an illustration. And so what you look at verse 1, he says, No, you're not brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. So he's saying, I'm talking to people that know the law. They know, they know what the, Bible's, uh, the Bible says. And, and hath dominion, uh, <clears throat> how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband, now here's where he's going to get into this illustration. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. And, 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 and this is the truth of the law, but it's also right here at this spot, it's, it's, it's an illustration that God is about to use. And he's just laying the foundation so we'll understand the, the verses to come after that. It's a factual illustration that the the law rules man so long as he is alive, and it's kind of you know I mean you think that's almost common sense, but but he's he's emphasizing to the people. Look, uh, he's he's trying to bring a picture in their mind. Look, the law rules you, but it can't rule if you're dead. It has no effect over you if you're dead, and so. Now, these were Roman Christians, primarily that he's talking to. They knew the Roman civil law, and they knew the law of Moses, and both basically applied in the same way. They had the same principles behind them to the living. Uh, They applied to the living, and of course, neither had power over the dead. And so that's what he's teaching us here. The Lord becomes more specific in this illustration, though, when he says, for, for none of the law applies to someone who is dead, but here what is addressed is marriage. Now, he's, he's taking it further. He just makes a, just a statement. He's saying, you know, uh, the law applies to you, but if you're dead, it doesn't apply to you. Okay, well, you know, that's not real hard to get. And so, but then he goes into this thing of marriage. 
And it's made very clear that he said a woman is bound to her husband so long as he lives. But when he is dead, she is set free to marry another. Now, just ladies, this doesn't mean that the way to get out of this thing is to murder him. Uh, you say, wow, that's the solution. Kill him! And uh, no, it's, he's just saying, and again, this is not the primary teaching right here, although this is the truth of the, uh, of the, of the law. But he's saying when, he is, when, she, when he's dead, she is set free to marry another. Look at verse 3. It says, So then, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man. She be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. If she marries another while her husband lives, then she is an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she's free and therefore not guilty of adultery. Say one more time, this is an illustration that God is using to make clear our status position in this life with Christ as our Savior. If you're saved here tonight, I'd like to thank everybody sitting in this room is, is saved tonight. Uh, what you're looking for now is to come to verse 4. Where it says, wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So, very simply, God's saying, okay, uh, you know what? When you took Christ, you died to the law of God. Now, you understand, the law, here's a mis- misunderstanding. A lot of people say, yeah, the law is done away with. No, it doesn't say the law died, you died. You died to the law. Under that means you're dead, so the law has no power over you now. The law has no control over you. The law can't look at you and say, hey, I got you, because no matter how good you try to live, you are never going to be good enough. The law can't do that anymore. You know why? Because I'm dead. I'm dead, and if I'm dead... Now, it's a kind of a reversal on the illustration, but I'm dead, but when I died, that released me from the law, and now I'm free to marry another. That's when I trusted Christ, November the 8th, 1975. I became married to Jesus Christ. I am there right now, and we are together, and I'm dead to the law. The law doesn't have that binding effect on me anymore. Here we see that we are the ones who are dead and not the law. The law did not die, but we died. And now we are no longer married to the law, for we died to the law and now are free to marry another. And that's what the Scripture is saying there. It says that ye be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead. Now, who's that? That's Jesus, of course, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. And God says, you know what? Under the law... The law is just telling you you're a sinner, you're not going to make it. No matter how good you try to live, you're still going to fail. You see, every man that, that even Paul, who's writing this, Paul, man, I mean, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's going to live according to the law, and he probably, like the rich young ruler, you know, I've done all these things. But Paul was smart enough to know, I may have done all these things, but, you know, there's some things that just deal with the heart. And Paul knew his heart's not right all the time. And you know what? None of our hearts are right all the time. 
And so we're, we're doomed. If it's the law, and we've got to live it, and because God said in His Word, if you offend in one point of the law, you have offended in all. And what, so we have no hope. There's no way of keeping all the law. There's no way of keeping it perfectly. And so God says, I sent Jesus. And when we say, no more am I going to work my way to heaven. No more does the law have dominion over me. I now take Jesus Christ. I died to the law, and now I'm married to the one who rose from the grave. Does this make sense to everybody? Oh, God. I really got to get some tissues or something. Look, ladies, I'm giving you an order. Every one of you, you bring you a white hanky. Because I'm not going to get these men to even grunt for me out here. But I need you ladies to wave a handkerchief or something. You say, why do you say that? Because, I, you know, I've spent my life around women in you know, seven of my house. I know women. She's right. Uh, nobody does. That's like the law. <laughs> the purpose of the law was to reveal sin. The law states clearly right and wrong, and therefore we have no excuse. Even so, even so we try to redefine this revealed sin. Now, here's, here's what we're doing today. And Paul deals with this a little bit, but not specifically like we're going to tonight. But, but we have the law, and, and what we've done today, we've done a couple of different things. One of the things we've done is we've looked at it and said, well, the law has been done away. Well, the law has not been done away. Now, as far we are dead to the law, but the law is still good. If you read the Scripture, you find that the law is still good. The law is still righteous. The law is still holy. The law is still true. And so we need to, we need to still obey, obey the law. So that's one of the things we've done. You know, we've said, well, it's been done away with, and so it has, we, it has nothing to do with us. We don't have to live by the law. Not, that's not true at all. Not true at all. Now, but the other thing we've done is we, we have taken and we've re- redefined sin. You see, the law came and said sin was sin, but here today what we do is we say drunkenness is a disease. But it's not. It's a sin. I mean, it's not a disease that you go, that, that just all of a sudden you woke up one morning with drunkenness. I got a terrible cold, and you know what I did? I went to bed one night, and I got up the next morning, and, and I had this stupid cold that won't go away. I didn't choose it. I didn't go out to the market and say, let me go buy a bottle of of congestion. I didn't do that. We rename it as gay or or as an affair. We we put some wonderful little titles on it. Well, no, it's sin. It's sin. We attempt to cover up the truth of our sin. uh, that is to say, it's an illness or it's out of control because of our past. I, I can't do anything about it. It's just, it's just who I am. It's just what I am because of where I've come from. No, uh, every man shall give him account of himself to the Lord. The law came clearly to state sin is sin, and sin brings death. Under the law, as we try to change our lives and live them better, we find that we still come short. So uh, that's what happens. The law reveals to us that we are sinners. Paul said, I had not known sin but by the law. He clearly is going to say here that he, he, he didn't, he, Paul said, I wouldn't even really known what sin was 
except that the, the law came. And, and he goes on further and says that, you know, I wouldn't know what, what lust was except it says thou shalt not covet. The law reveals our sin and also our inability to live above the flesh. That's what it does. It reveals to us our sin, but it also reveals to us our inability to live above the flesh. But here's the wonderful part. Now we're dead. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, what you've got to understand is now you're dead. You're dead to the law. And being dead, we're no longer married to the law. We're married to another. We're married to him who is raised from the dead. In this new life and marriage, we, we now can live and bring forth fruit unto God. What we Listen to this. This is such a crucial statement. What we could not do in the weakness of the flesh, we can now do through the power of the Spirit of God. And this is what so many seem to misunderstand. Uh, you, know, you know, just they, they, they negate the law. They turn away from the law. The law is bad. Uh, you know, and, and they say, no, we're under grace now, so we don't have to live by the law. What we have to understand is that when we came under the grace of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God now comes in us. He actually empowers us to live the law that we could not live in the flesh. Yes, the law condemned us because we can't do it. We cannot do it. But the Lord Jesus Christ says any given temptation that comes along through the power of my spirit, you can't overcome it. Now, again, none of us, just you know, as we're the flesh is worn against the spirit every second of the day, none of us is going to be yielded every moment. But we can. Verse 5 says, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now, you know, sometimes the words, you, you look at them, you think, what in the world does that mean, the motions of sin? When you, when you again, look up and kind of study out this word, it, this motions is, is much like our word emotions. Sin is so powerful and the reason it's so powerful is because it works through our emotions. And the sin works in us bringing death, but it, it, it really it works through our emotions. Listen, for, the Scripture says, For all of sin and come short of the glory of God, no matter how good we might try to be, we are ruled by the emotions of the flesh. When we are in the flesh and under the law. And, and here's the thing. I have no hope but to be ruled by it. I'm going to live, and we've talked about this already, but I'm going to live according to the flesh. I'm going to make my decisions according to the flesh. I'm going to be guided by my desires according to the flesh. And in the Scripture saying that these emotions, uh, they conquered us. These, the motions of sin which were by the law did work in our members bringing fruit unto death. Again, notice that this illustration does not say the law died, but rather we died to the law. Now, you, I'm not sure which, my wife is disappearing more on me these days. I guess she went to, oh, she's in the nursery, isn't she? I think she told me that tonight she was in the nursery. Now, maybe make a good illustration. If Joe Beth and, uh, and I, and if she tried to go with someone else while I was living, do you understand? <laughs> she would be dead. No, uh, 
If she tried to go with someone else while I was living, that'd be wrong, right? Help me, folks. Would that at least be wrong? <laughs> no, you're thinking, I don't know. That might be okay for her. Yeah. Now, that would be wrong. That would be wrong, and I would fight. You know what I mean? I mean, because I'm alive, she's alive, she belongs with me. For her to go with somebody else, that, that's wrong, and we got a fight that's going to go on. And you know what? So long as I am alive to the law, if I try to escape the power of the law, there's going to be a fight. You know, I'm, if she was in here, and I, I didn't realize she was going to be out of here, but I'd illustrate, but if she tried, and the Scripture's going to show us this very illustration in a second, but if she tried to leave me, I'd grab hold of her. I'd hold on. Amen? I'd kidnap her. I'd do whatever I got to do. It's kind of like that time she tried to run away from me when we lived in the cabin out in the country. She, she got mad at me, and she took off running out toward the woods, and she was about to get lost in that hundreds of acres of land out there. She's a city girl, didn't know where she was running, and she was all mad, and I let her go, and I chased her down. After she got about 50 yards away, I took off running. I caught her, threw her over my shoulder. She has beating me on the back, kicking, screaming, doing everything else, and I carried her all the way back in. So I'm just telling you, that's why she's still with me, because she can't outrun me. So. But I'd hold on to her. But if I'm dead, there's no grip on her. If I'm dead, she's going to walk, she can walk right away. And she's free. Verse 6 makes clear this passage in this simple statement. Look at verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held. See, I just told you. I said I'd hold on to her. Being now, but now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held. See, he's saying now we're dead but we were held when we were living to the law. The law held on to us. It kept us. It said, you're mine. But the day we died to the law is the day we met Jesus. He says that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. You see, when you're born to Jesus Christ, when, you know, all through our life, you know, people live in, in, in just chaos and confusion because they never know if they've done enough to go to heaven. Even if they know the law, a little bit of it, even if they know just enough to know about sin, uh, they, and they think, oh, I, I want to go to heaven. And how many times have we witnessed to people where they, where they talk about the fact, well, I just hope my good outweighs my bad. Well, it doesn't. And when you, when you go into those scales like that, you're done before you even get started because one sin outweighs everything you did. And so it holds on to us. It's got us captured. But when we die, now we are set free and we are, have a new spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. It's not about, oh, okay, do this and do that, and maybe we can make it to heaven. Maybe everything will go okay because I'm doing all these things. No, that God says, no, you got to die to that. It doesn't mean that you don't do those same things when you come to newness of the Spirit. 
But you do it through the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God. And so the same things I did, I do because God empowers me and I choose to do them rather than being bound and being strapped and being forced to do them. Does this make sense to anybody? And y'all have to remember, I didn't write this. Okay, God did. And I know sometimes, at least I feel this way, sometimes I feel like you're thinking, man, you're just saying the same thing over and over. I'm not, God is. And so, he says, you see, we are delivered from the law, not from obedience to it, but we're delivered from its control and its power over us. We were held captive by the letter of the law that none of us could wholly live. But then we died, and the law cannot hold the dead in its grasp. And now we have a new life. We can serve in the newness of the Spirit what we could not do in the oldness of the letter of the law through the Spirit we are able to perform. The law did not die. We died. This death allowed us to marry the one who said that I can do all things through him. And that's where the difference. The law never told me I could do all things, but Jesus said I could. This is why we have uh, verse 7, so that we are not confused and make statements like, The law is done away. Look at verse 7. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. It it makes it clear, and this is not the first time we've crossed this this bridge here with this, this whole thing, but but he's making it real clear. I'm not telling you to do away with the law. He said, no, you wouldn't even know what sin was if it wasn't for the law. Today, we still have to state the truth of the law to many, for sin has been renamed to the point that many do not even realize it is sin. They're not here tonight, but I was going to use this. And I don't think you mind me, but I was talking to to Jay, and it maybe had been a, a couple months ago even, and I had preached a message, uh, maybe several times I had been mentioning this thing of pride. Jay came to me and he said, I never realized pride was bad. He said, he said my whole life in athletics, that's all that's pumped into you, pride. You know, that pride is, is going to push you he said they pushed us to be prideful. They pushed us and endorsed pride. They, you know, that's pride is what's motivational. He said it was all about my pride, how good I was. It was, it was about me standing up in front of everybody and saying, I'm better than you and I'll beat you and I can, I can t- take you. And I, you know, it, it's, uh, he, said, he said, I never knew that God said pride was wrong. But you know, when we preached about it and we saw that the Lord shall cut off the flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, then you suddenly hear, wow, that's part of the law of God. And God says, I don't like pride. Or or Proverbs 15, 25 says, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud. Or Proverbs 6 16 and 17 says, these six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. 
a proud look. The very first one, God says six things that I hate, seven are abomination. And the very first one, God says a proud look. And you know, so what is, why, why am I reading those? Because if you don't realize pride is a sin, go to the law and the law tells you it is. And that's where we've really weakened our churches because somewhere back in the 70s, I think it was, uh, we really had a movement in, in our more, even our more conservative Southern Baptist churches uh, that, they, that they started saying, okay, we will still talk about sin, we just won't name it. Well, where would we be if God did not name it? We still wouldn't know what sin was. You, you can't have a law... Uh, what if they had a speed limit sign out here that had no speed on it? I would like it. That would, you know, that doesn't make sense. You know, you go take the, the test, and I haven't taken one in a long, long time, but you go to take the driving test, and they, and they used to, and I don't know if they still do, but they give you the sign shapes, and they, you're supposed to tell which sign it is by its shape. Well, that, that's kind of what, we're doing today with the, with the law of God. Well, let's, start, let's get it out here real vague. Can you tell what this is? We're not going to say it. Can you just kind of tell by it? No, you got to tell it every once in a while. I'm not going to beat people to death with it, but, it, but you know, nobody's going to grow in the Christian life until they first start hearing what God says is wrong. He didn't do away with the law. The law says some things ought not to be. We're in a stage in, in, our, in our America today that, that uh, uh, forgive me, adultery is not wrong. Living together is not wrong. Doing these things is not wrong because it's what everybody does. Now, we don't condemn anybody. We don't put anybody down. The truth is, until we know, we don't know. Did you ever catch that one? And if you don't know, you don't know. So God comes and tells us, and now we know. You know, I've been stopped before by police. I hate to admit it. But it's okay because I always pull this out. And I say, oh, sir, let me get my ID for you. <laughs> I got stopped twice in one hour, one time. And uh, but you know, the, uh, we've got to be willing to tell people the truth. Because if you know, I've been stopped before where they say you're you're in a construction zone. I didn't see a sign. I didn't see a speed limit. I didn't see anything. And they'll say, well, you know, uh, in Kentucky, you know that the construction don't speed limit is such and such. I said, no, I'm not from Kentucky. I don't know that speed limit's such and such here. And that's why you need to put a sign up so that I know what the speed limit is. Hello? Now, let me just help you. Don't say that to a police officer because, unless you have a badge because uh, <laughs> he'll write you for sure now. But... So clear what the law of God says about pride. Being now married to Christ, this does not nullify the law concerning pride. God forbid. No, we now understand that it's wrong, and we have the power of the risen Christ within us to overcome. 
Verse 8, but sin taking occasion. Occasion basically means the starting point. This is the starting point of sin. Look what it says, by sin taking occasion by the commandment. It said this is the starting point. This is where sin began. It's the starting point of the commandment. Wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, and that's any kind of illicit desires, for without the law, sin was dead. Before the law, man did not understand sin. Before Paul was old enough to understand and know the law, sin was dead. For he did not know right from wrong. But when he came to an age when he suddenly realized that a lie was a lie and, and a lie was sin, sin then taking occasion, it began. Meaning sin having a starting point. That starting point was when the law came and was revealed and it revealed right and wrong. But instead of the law making me alive, the law reveals sin, and sin took power over man. Concupiscence is all kinds of illicit desires. These desires came alive and took power. You see, I now knew right and wrong. Here's the, real, the, the crux of the matter. Once it was revealed to me what's right and wrong, the choice of wrong was and is mine now. And it's a result of my own desires. I will choose according to my own fleshly desires. Without the law, I did not have desire to disobey. Man just lived naturally, carnally, because that is all man knew. Animalistic and instinct, living, but the law changed all that. Now we sin out of understanding and choice. Anyone who is honest knows, and we just talked about knows that a speed limit sign Watch this now. A speed limit sign is really, to most of us, a challenge, not a law to be obeyed. Think about it now. I don't know. Some of you actually might be good Christians, but normal people like me, you see a speed limit sign, and you know what your mind does? It immediately calculates nine miles per hour over. You know why? Because they won't stop you unless you're doing 10 miles per hour over, unless you're in Oakland, Tennessee. And so, now, you know, I mean, most places, especially the interstate, they're not going to stop you if you're doing less than 10 miles per hour over. So, you see 55 miles per hour, boom, 64, we're there. You see, that's what the law did. The law said, uh, don't lie. And immediately the flesh said, let me find a way to lie. Put up a sign, get a bunch of teenagers together and put anything in the room and say, put a sign on saying, do not touch. See how many fingerprints you have on it. See how many, put a do not touch sign on anything in a group of people and see how many touches. The law and pride mix to create emotions in us that desire to violate whatever law is put out there. There's a, and and I'll stop here, I'll give it to this, but just a story of a a gardener. And he's out there and he's gardening and he's he's, uh, working and, and the owner of this big estate walks up and he hears the man and the man is just cursing Adam. And the guy thought, what in the world is he doing? So he walks up and says, what are you saying? And he said, if Adam hadn't sinned, I wouldn't have all these weeds to deal with. And the guy said, well, if you had been in Adam's place, you probably would have made the same choice Adam made. And he said, no, no way. So the, the, it, the story is that this rich man 
invited this man who was doing his gardening, he invited him to come to eat uh, later that week to his house, and he had a spread of every kind of food you can imagine on this big table. And in the middle of the table, he had a big uh, covered dish, and the man got up and got a phone call, and he got called away. And the man, as he started to leave, he said, eat anything you want, eat all of you want. He said, but just say, he said, but that dish, under that dish, that's especially for me. He said, it's been made for me, it's especially for me, just don't touch it. Said he was gone for uh, quite a while on this so-called phone call, and the, and the gardener just kept looking at that dish. He kept looking at that dish. Finally, he reached over and grabbed it, and when he pulled it up, it was full of little white feathers. So when he picked it up, the feathers went everywhere. And the man walked back in and said, How you doing, Adam? Because that's what the law did. The law just was nothing but a challenge to the man of flesh. How many ways can we break the law? Thank God, though, in my life, November 8, 1975, I died to that. Died to the law. It didn't die to me. I died to it, and I became alive in Jesus Christ. All right, I took a little longer than I thought I would. God bless you. See you Sunday. Amen.